Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Matthew, chapter 25. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. I should have titled this sermon, Are You Ready? Are you ready, saints? Jesus is coming soon. Amen. So in Matthew chapter 25, while you're getting your, 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 your Bibles turned and pen out and pad, you're going to need it. If you've been with us, you know that we've been doing a series of studies in the gospel of Matthew. And uh, I've titled these studies, The Kingdom, uh, The Coming King, The Coming King. And we've been in Matthew chapter 24 and 25. These two chapters are known as the Olivet Discourse. Why? Because Jesus preached them from the Mount of Olives. And remember last week, if you were with us, I told you last week that that any good preacher will not only give you information, but they'll also give you application. Any good preacher is going to give you Application. Okay, I gave you a bunch of information. Now, how is it that you take all of this information and apply it to your lives? Any good preacher would do that. Well, Jesus is the preacher of all preachers. He's the master preacher, and all preachers learn from Jesus. And so Jesus, last week as we began our study, he began giving us application to all that he has been talking about as it relates to the second coming. And the way that he's given us this application is by way of parables. Now, remember I told you, what is a parable? Help me out, saints. A parable is what? An earthly story with a heavenly meaning. Thank you, Jesus. Because y'all didn't do so good last week. Y'all went home and studied up, did you? Good. A parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. So Jesus, by way of application, gives us parables. Last week we talked about, he gave us two actually. We talked about the parable of the thief. You'll find that in Matthew chapter 24, verse 43 and 44. And then he also gave us the parable of the faithful and the evil servant in chapter 24, verse 45 through 51. We come to another parable of the ten virgins. Now, I love this parable. Something that I haven't told you in weeks past, I should tell you now. Parables are intended to teach simple truths. Remember, if it's an earthly story with a heavenly meaning, well, God knows that most of us are not that quick. Say amen, y'all. Y'all know y'all be like, I don't get it. We are not that quick. God knows that. And that's why parables are intended to teach a simple truth. 
They are, they are to be simple. And when you start looking into a parable and start reading too much into a parable and you start to extract all kinds of mystical meanings and you start to abuse the parable, then you wind up with all kinds of strange doctrines and strange interpretations and strange teachings and you miss the clear meaning of the parable. That's why a lot of, a lot of weird stuff, a lot of strange teaching comes out of parables. Because people start abusing them. So parables are intended to communicate a simple truth. You'll notice in chapter 24, as we dealt with those two parables last week, each of those parables, they emphasize several, actually, simple truths. As a matter of fact, we're going to look at another parable this morning, the parable of the ten virgins or bridesmaids. And each of these three parables, the two from last week and the one we're going to talk about, they communicate Four very simple truths, each one of them. What are they? Number one, they teach us the Lord will return again. Number two, the parables teach us the time of his return is unknown. Number three, they teach us the time is unknown and it will catch many people off guard. And then finally, the fourth thing that it teaches us, a truth that we learn from the parables is that believers are to be on high alert and a constant state of readiness for his coming. The parable of the thief, the parable of the faithful evil servant, and the one we're going to read this morning, the parable of the ten virgins, all communicate those very simple truths. Now, particularly this morning, if you're still breathing, say amen. Particularly this morning, the parable of the ten virgins or ten bridesmaids, See, in, in Hebrew culture, in Jewish culture, if you were going to be a bridesmaid, you were also a virgin. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> we need to go back to that. <laughs> and so, particularly now, with this parable of the ten virgins, or ten bridesmaids, we're going to learn this morning that we are to watch and prepare. Watch and prepare. Go with me to Matthew chapter 25. Look at verse 1. Saints, if you're with me, say amen. amen. Then the kingdom, then, circle that word then. It's huge. It's a small word, but it's huge. Then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins who took their lamps and they went out to meet the bridegroom. Now five of them were wise and five of them were foolish. 50% wise and 50% were foolish. Those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. But while the bridegroom delayed, y'all with me in verse 5? They all slumbered and they slept. And at midnight a cry was heard. Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out to meet him. And then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, give us some of your oil for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, no, lest there should not be enough for us and you, but go rather to those who sell and buy some for yourself. And while they went to buy, notice what happened. The bridegroom came and those who were, what saints? Went in with him to the wedding and the door was shut. And afterward, the virgins came also saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, I do not know you. How sad are those words? 
Watch therefore, verse 13, saints, read it with me. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. Now stop right there. Listen, context, 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 context. You have to keep things in context when you study the Bible. If you do not keep things in context when you study the Bible, well, then you can make the Bible say anything you want it to say. That's how cults get started. You pull a verse from here and pull a verse from there, and they have a doctrine, and it's all out of context. So then that would be important for us to put Matthew chapter 25 in its context. If you were with us, you know that Jesus was standing on the Mount of Olives, as I said. The disciples are standing there with him. And they're looking at the temple, the big, beautiful temple. And, and Jesus says, fellas, you see that temple? And they said, yeah. And he said, not one stone is going to be left standing upon another. And it was at that time that that statement from Jesus prompted three questions from the disciples. When will these things be, number one? What will be the sign of your coming, number two? And what is the sign of the end of the world? And then Jesus gave them great details. If you were with us, you know this. He gave them great details of the signs of the end times. He said there's going to be earthquakes and famines and wars and all of these things are the beginning or the beginning of sorrows or birth pangs. And then he said another significant sign of his second coming is the abomination of desolation that Daniel talked about. And then he said that there's going to be false Christ and there's going to be cataclysmic events. The sun and the moon and the stars are going to fall from the sky and the sun's going to go black and the moon's going to turn into blood. It's going to be some cataclysmic events. And Jesus said, it's at that time when you see these things happening, know that the second coming is near. Then he went on to say that he is going to come in 24 verse 30. He said, the son of man is coming on the clouds with power and great glory. So all of these signs are going to take place. And then they'll see the Son of Man coming. That speaks of the second coming of Christ with power and great glory. Now listen, every week, every week, after uh, the last several weeks, I've given you a lot of information. We have been talking about end times, eschatology. Esca what, Rodney? Eschatology. That's the study of end times. Just a big fancy word for the study of end times. And we've been talking about eschatological events over the last several weeks. I've given you a lot of information. And each service, bar none, each service, somebody comes up to me and they say, Okay, Pastor Roddy, now what was that again? How, how did the things happen? Is it the rapture of the church and then Jesus is going to come? Or is Jesus going to come and, and then the rapture of the church? And is he coming in the clouds? And Rodney, what's going to happen here? And, and where this event go? And where does that event go? And Rodney, I don't even know if I'm going. And Rodney, you know, where's all this stuff? How's it all fit in? And, you know, I thought we might take the time this morning and just kind of put it in a very succinct picture for you. Yeah. I'm getting technical in my old age, all right? 
But but no, but, but no, this I mean this is important because I really want to help you to understand because you need to understand so you can help your friends understand that that the Bible is very very clear about these things. There's no mystery. There's no hidden secrets. The Bible is very clear about the order of events. And so what we're going to do this morning, I'm going to ask you just follow along with me, and we're going to talk about the order of events as it relates to Bible prophecy. You will notice. First thing that happens is the coming of Jesus to the earth. That's Christmas. <laughs> it's there. <laughs> My people. All right, Christmas. Jesus is born. He came to the earth. And then the Bible says that he walked on the earth for 33 years and he ministered and he suffered and he bled and he died on Calvary. And then three days later, he rose from the grave and he ascended into heaven. And then 50 days later, five zero days later, the Holy Spirit descended and the church was born. Jesus ascended and then he sent the Holy Spirit and the church was born. During the church age, Israel forms as a nation. May 14th, 1948 on your calendars. We are currently living in the church age. The next important event to take place after the church age would be the rapture of the church, which then ushers in the seven years of tribulation on the earth. And it's a time of horrible, horrible events that's going to take place on the earth. And and, and it's to all those, not Christians, but to all those who are Christ-rejecting. And then it's during the tribulation that the Middle East peace treaty is going to be signed. Israel is at peace for three and a half years, just about the halfway mark of this seven-year period of tribulation. The Antichrist is going to break his agreement with Israel. He's going to commit the abomination of desolation. We talked about all these things, which brings us to the end of the tribulation. And then Jesus returns in his second coming. Then we will have the greatest movement of unity the world has ever seen. Because it's at that time when Jesus comes that people will unite in their hatred of God. And they gather in the valley of Megiddo. That would be Armageddon. If you are traveling to Israel with us and we'll go to the valley of Megiddo. And this vast, it's vast And the Bible says a 200 million man army will gather in this valley to fight against God. And God's going to wipe them out. And the Bible says that the blood is going to flow to the horse's mane. That's how bloody this battle is going to be. When that concludes, that will bring us to the thousand year or the millennial reign of Christ. And Satan is going to be bound. During that thousand years, people are going to populate the earth. During the tribulation, many people are going to be destroyed. But during the thousand year reign, people are going to go into that thousand year reign. They're going to repopulate the earth. They're going to be kids and grandkids and great grandkids and great, great, great grandkids and great, 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 great grandkids and great, 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 great grandkids and great, 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 great grandkids and On and on, people are going to, the earth is going to be repopulated during that time. And it's going to do it quickly. And it's going to do it in an atmosphere, an environment of peace and prosperity. 
Can you imagine during the thousand year reign of Christ, it's going to be total righteousness and we can't even relate. We can't even relate. But this is what the Bible says. There will be total righteousness on the earth, total peace on the earth, no sickness, total, everything will be, be, be right during the thousand year reign. I mean, think about it. No more hospitals, no more adult bookstores, no more military bases, no murders, no ripoffs, no Waffle House, none of <laughs> I'm sorry, if you work for Waffle House, yeah, I love you. I really do. But it's going to be an environment of peace and prosperity. And the Bible says that we're going to be ruling and reigning with Christ over the earth. And then at the end of a thousand years, Satan is loosed. And he will create one last revolt against Jesus. And the fire of God will wipe them out and will wipe out all of God's enemies. It's at that time. Are you still trekking with me on the chart? It's at that time that, that there will be the, that, that unbelievers will stand at the great white throne judgment. The great white throne judgment is for believer or unbelievers. Pardon me. Thank you, Jesus. Unbelievers. And the Bema seat judgment is for believers. Unbelievers will stand at the great white throne judgment. God's going to open the books at that time. He's going to search the books and scan the books for your name, the book of life. And if you're not found in the book, you're going to spend eternity away from him. It's at that time that John tells us in the end of the book of Revelation, John says, and then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. Everything you see, everything that was disappears. And Peter says it all disappears by fire. And John says, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, and we all live happily ever after. That's the order of events. It's not that difficult. Now, in our passage, you want to notice again, I had you point out that word, then. Notice in your Bibles in verse 1, Jesus says, then. Then what? At his return on the clouds with power and great glory, the kingdom of heaven is like parable. Here's application. Like ten virgins or ten bridesmaids who took their lamps and they went out to meet the bridegroom. Now, listen, in order for you to understand this parable, you have to know a little bit about Jewish custom and about Jewish uh, wedding ceremonies. First of all, in the Jewish culture, Jewish marriages were arranged, and for good reason, because Father knows best. <laughs> Say amen, Dad. Something God gave us. God gave us. That God comes through that door. You know the first question I ask him? Do you have a J-O-B? Well, no, sir. Well, then get out. <laughs> Love you. Mean it. You got to go. Well, Father knows best. See, in the Jewish culture, they, they understood that. Marriages were arranged. They were set up. And so if you had a cute little boy, Yentl, the first name I think of, Jewish, 
He had a cute little girl, you know, Rebecca. Negotiations began at that time. The fathers would come together and they would settle on a price for the bride. And what determined the price actually was three things. What determined the price was the father's wealth, was he rich or poor? The bride's worth, was she worth, in those days they didn't write checks, she was like worth like a chicken. I ain't making this up. Like, or a cow or something. You know what I mean? So what, what's her worth? Well, she, you know, she ain't worth more than, you know, five chickens. I'll give you four. Nope, four and a half. Yep. So, so, so the bride's worth, right, and the groom's work. In cases where the groom's family was poor or dead, the groom would work to pay the price. So as you're growing up, you know, this little girl down the street who's missing her teeth, it could be possibly your wife. And you're committed to marrying her. Marriages were arranged in Jewish culture, number one. And then secondly, there was an espousal period. It was a year before they actually got married. They went through an espousal period. They were legally married, but they didn't come together. You know what I mean. And it's during this espousal period that if the husband died, the woman was a widow. You might remember Mary and Joseph were betrothed or espoused. So that's why he would have put her away. They hadn't gotten to the wedding yet, which then brings us to the third stage of of the, the Jewish wedding. It's the actual wedding. Now, Jewish weddings weren't like our weddings. Our weddings, we send out an invitation and you have people RSVP. Jewish weddings were not like that. Jewish weddings had no date set. They had no time set. The bridegroom would try to catch the bride unaware. So the bride needed to be ready. And while she waited, she was preparing. While the bride was waiting for the bridegroom to come and get her, she was making her dress. And she was preparing things. And, while, and, and preparing her lamp. And while she was preparing her dress and preparing her lamp and getting ready for the bridegroom to come, the bridegroom was busy working on a room addition at his father's house. Are you with me? Now, don't you remember when Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you and I'm going to come back and get you. I'm creating a place, a mansion, a house for you. So we have the groom busy working at the father's house. And while the bride was at all the time that the groom is hammering away and getting the room addition, getting the room all fixed up because they're going to live together at the father's house. The bride is getting reports. Hey, man, he got the windows in. (laughs) Hey, man, he's got the doors up. She's getting reports. Because, you know, the ladies are resourceful now. They ain't going to be in the dark. She's getting the word. She's trying to make sure. Because she got to get everything ready. Because when he comes, she's got to be ready. And so now she is ready. And her bridesmaids are ready. And they're all hanging out. And they fall asleep. And all of a sudden they hear bang, 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 bang on the door. Blowing the trumpet scares the woman half out of her wits. People are coming shouting, the bridegroom cometh, the bridegroom cometh. And the wedding day is here. And this wedding, as a bridegroom comes, 
the wedding takes place under the stars. And they sign a contract under the stars. And the wedding feast then begins for seven days. Now that's what I call a party. They, Jewish folks know how to party. Don't be deceived. They, they know how to party. It's a wedding feast for seven days. The father of the bride, and he's got to pay the bill. The father of the bride's got to pay the bill for the wedding feast. It lasts for seven days. You've got to feed folks for seven days. The father of the bride gets stuck with a bill. I'm lobbying to change that. Something that I don't, I should, that shouldn't be. You know, we, we have a reception we feed folks for an hour. I'm buying just enough food for an hour. I ain't trying to fill nobody up. <laughs> just trying to give them a little something. And y'all can go, y'all can go to Bojangles after, after the wedding. <laughs> you know, you know but the Jewish people ain't like that. I mean, they had this thing that was going on for seven days. And, and, and then notice, and, and, then, and they had this big party. They had this week-long party at the bridegroom's house. Now, notice in our text, Jesus said there are five virgins or five bridesmaids, five wise and five foolish. The wise girls took oil in their vessels with their lamps, and they brought extra oil in verse 2. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccary.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.